Welcome to another great message by Pastor Adrian Wright, lead pastor at Anchor Church. We pray this message will encourage, inspire, and transform your life. Our heart is to share the hope of Jesus with our city and nation. I want to share a message with you today. I want to encourage you today in your walk, in your faith. It's so great to be able to do it while seeing your face. Because for nine months, I've been speaking to a camera and hoping that there will be somebody watching whatever's happening on the other side of that camera. But uh, it's so good to just be able to see you this morning and encourage you and have God speak to us in this moment. We absolutely love the Word. We absolutely love the gospel message of Jesus as our hope, as our Savior, as the one that transforms us and changes us. This is not self-help. This is not a program for you to try harder to be better. This is us just coming before God and allowing Him to do what He wants to do in our lives. And so today I want to share a message with you entitled, Living a Big Life. Living a Big life. Come on, how many people, how many countless souls travel through life only to get towards or to the end of life realizing that all of it has been for nothing, that there's been very little impact, that there's been very little eternal impact, very little that they can carry forward, very little that they are able to, to leave behind and say, this is an example to others. We don't want to live that kind of life. As a church, as individuals, we want to live big lives. What does it take to live a big life? What does it take to move into that realm where your life is having an impact on the lives of others? I want to talk to you just for a few minutes this morning on living a big life. Today is such a significant day for us. I remember sitting with one of my friends and mentors, Phil Smithhurst, who's the head of Overland Missions, uh, which is an amazing missionary organization. And Phil is one of my mentors. But you know, the thing with Phil, if you've ever met him, he's preached at Anchor a few times, is that he is the king of one-liners. And his one-liners, even his prophetic words, consist almost completely of stating the obvious. He always says that. He says, I'm the king of stating the obvious. But he states the obvious in a way that you just never forget. And I remember sitting with Phil, and, uh, and it, at that time I was going through a situation, and I had to make some decisions that would impact my life at that time, were going to impact the, the church and our ministry. And I was sitting with Phil, and after a while he looked at me and he said, You know, Adrian, you get big days and you get small days, but today is a big day. And he was right. And I feel like today is a big day. But not all days are like that. How many of you agree? Not all days. Most days feel like small days. Have you ever come to the end of your day and thought, oh my gosh, I'm useless. What have I even done today? Like I haven't accomplished anything. Sometimes you kind of have that, that like lazy guilt where you feel like, did I do enough today? Right? But most days feel like small days. Most days it feels like we go to work or we do what we do in our life and we just nudge a few things forward and we go home. We feel like, but when is... When is the big day coming? When am I going to make the big impact? When am I going to see the big change? When are we going to make a massive difference? Even in ministry, even working for the church full times, oftentimes I feel like I just come to work, nudge a few things forward and go home. I'm like, but I want to change the world. But we're just nudging a few things, nudging a few things, nudging a few things. It's almost like those arcade games. You know, when you go to the arcades, I don't know if anybody ever does still go to arcades, but it was a thing when I was a kid. My mom would give me 10 rand. I'd go to the movies, buy popcorn and a slush puppy and have money left over to play arcades, arcade games. 
and I would get all the coins and I'd go to the arcades and after you've played and you've got your tickets or whatever you were trying to get, you know, there's always that tempting machine in the middle of the arcade where you throw a coin in and you're basically just giving the coin away, uh, you know, towards the greater good. But it like, it falls down and it falls on that little sliding platform and it falls and hopefully it falls flat in the right spot and it slides back and forth and it just nudges a few coins. But there's hope there because you saw some other coins move. This coin that you dropped in made a difference to the other coins. You think, well, maybe just one more coin would make a difference, right? And you throw in another coin, it costs you something, and it nudges all the other coins forward just a little bit, but no change yet. So you throw in another coin, and usually you run out of money. That's usually what happens in that situation. But every now and again, you throw in a coin, and that one coin is enough to nudge everything else forward just enough that a whole section of coins fall down into the slot. You get big days and you get small days. But today is a big day. Today is a big day because since we started Anchor Church five years ago, it felt like every day we just nudged a little bit. Every day we just pushed a little bit. Every day we just prayed a little bit. Every day we didn't take the giant leaps. It didn't go giant leap from to giant leap to giant leap. And many of us want to live that way. But that's not where a big life is built. A big life is not built in the big moments. It's built in the small ones. It's built in the consistency. It's built as a life of faith that says, even though I do not see. Jesus said to Thomas, he said, blessed are those. You've believed because you've seen, but blessed are those who will believe without seeing. So faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that you cannot see. And so when we put faith and we take steps of faith, not just saying I have faith, but actually trusting in Jesus and taking those steps, even if we just nudge a few things forward, ultimately, because we're not seeing the difference immediately, it requires faith. So living a big life means living a life of faith. It means pursuing constantly, saying yes again and again and again, living according to the value of what God has called you to, and not allowing yourself to be distracted by everything this world has to offer. Those things are designed to derail you, designed to get you to live a small life. But God has called us to be faithful in a direction, even when we see no change. Just keep going. Just keep going. Because we build big lives in small moments. And yes, every now and again, we get a day like today where we get to take a big step and we celebrate those moments. But we would not be here today and to me, this is still just the beginning. But we get to be here today because five years ago, about 16 of us put 1,000 rand together and said, hey, why don't we get together and worship? A group of friends that said, let's make a difference in the city. That's all it took, just a nudge, just a nudge in the right direction. Some of us give up too quickly. Some of you have already given up too quickly. The moment it gets difficult, we take a step back. The first obstacle we face, we say, you know what, I'm not feeling it. I thought I could live a life for God. I thought I could build my relationship with God, but this is actually tough. It actually requires some effort. It actually requires some sacrifice. I actually have to be diligent in a few areas. I don't know, and so we, we step away. Rather than relying on God's grace and moving forward, we give up too soon. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a difference in this world. The moment it gets tough, okay, you know what? I think I'll just go home and watch Netflix for a while. We give up too soon. Most of us overestimate. The reason we give up is because we overestimate what we can do in a short period of time. How many of you is like two weeks till you're going to be at the beach in December? You're like, no, I can start my diet now. I'm sure I can make a difference. <laughs> you're not going to make a difference. You're just going to be hungry. We overestimate what we can do in a short period of time. But what's worse than that is that we underestimate what we can do over a long period of time. Just being consistent, just small actions done faithfully and tirelessly produce big results. So Anchor Church, I want to tell you, just don't give up. Galatians 6, 9 tells us this. It says, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap. If we do not give up. And when we started Anchor Church, that's the one thing that we said. We said we don't know how tough it's going to be. We don't know what the things are that we will face. We don't know what obstacles we're going to have to overcome. But we decide today, on day one, and Will was there. You, you can ask him. Day one, we will never give up. That's one thing we can assure you. We will never give up because we are committed to living big lives. I stood in front of a pastor one day who had a prophetic gift on his life. And um, he looked at me, and this is before I faced any of the things that I've faced since then in my life that have been difficult. At that point, I hadn't faced any of them. And he looked at me, and by the Spirit of God, he said to me these words, never give up, never give up, never give up. No context to that statement. It came, the context came later. But I was told that day by God himself, there's a plan on the other side of your endurance. There is a reward on the other side of your perseverance. What have you given up on? What is there in your life that you said, it's just not worth the effort? What are the things, the hopes, the dreams, the prayers, the relationships that you have given up on? I want to echo those words to you today, to families, to marriages, to single people, whatever your situation, young or old, never give up, never give up, never give up. Can we commit to that today? In your own heart, never give up. Don't give up on making a difference. Don't give up on overcoming that addiction. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on the standards and the goals and the dreams that you feel God has placed in your heart. Your time is not up. I don't care if you are 80 years old today. Do we have any 80-year-olds here today? Any 80-year-olds? Anybody in their 70s? We've got a few people. Even to you, your time's not done. Never give up. Never give up. What the dreams and the things that God, if you still have breath in your lungs, God still has a purpose for you. Amen? I watched these guys build very closely the last few days. In three days, we built all of these walls. If you haven't seen the kids section, do yourself a favor and just go and take a look at it after church. It's amazing what we have accomplished there. But I watched these guys build 
in the last few days. And, you know, when you watch it, it's like watching a kettle boil. It goes so slowly. <laughs> it goes so slowly. It's just a brick, and then they scoop the cement, and they, I was even watching because I thought maybe I could jump in and help. You know, at one point I was like, it is way too slow right now. <laughs> but you know what? They just keep putting another brick, and another brick, and another brick. And you go away for a little bit, you come back, and there's a wall. You go away for a while, you come back again, there's a second wall. There's a third wall. Now there's a room. Now, some, you know, now that room is being filled. There, there's, it just, to see that process. So don't ever sit and tell yourself, all I'm doing is putting another brick on top of another brick. No, what you're doing is you're building a wall. What you're doing is that you're creating a space. I heard somebody once tell the story of a guy that walked into a quarry and walked up to the first guy and he was just, they were all breaking rocks, three guys breaking rocks. He said, what are you doing? And the first guy said, I'm breaking rocks. Walked to the second guy, he said, what are you doing? He said, I'm making bricks. The third guy said, I'm building a cathedral. He was just breaking rocks like the others, but he had the vision of what those rocks were going to build. And we're building a cathedral. You are a living stone in this wall that God is building, in this house that God is building. During this lockdown time, God has spoken to me a lot and shared a lot of verses with me. But the one that is kind of not my go-to scripture, this is not a go-to, this is not a cool scripture, right? Like you get the like, if God is for you, who can be against you? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, all of those really great scriptures that you write on your mirror or you stick it on your wall or whatever, or you recite, you put on Instagram, whatever it is. But this is not necessarily one of those great scriptures, but it just kept speaking to me all the way through lockdown. Matthew 13, 31, Jesus says this, he says, it says, he put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make its nests in its branches, make nests in its branches. Not a go-to scripture but it just, I couldn't shake it. Because this is what we're talking about today. A tiny mustard seed. Jesus says it's the smallest of the seeds. And that seed represents faith. You sow that seed. And over time, that little seed, it grows and it grows and it grows until you get to the place where your faith has created a home for others. Where what the journey that God has taken you on, the story that you have, like some of the stories we've listened to during this series, this is why. Those stories have created a home of faith that others can enter into. And what we're doing here is that we are planting seeds constantly in this field so that in the future we can give a home to more and more people. In other words, your faith is going to make a difference in the lives of others. But it starts with small steps, small days, and small seeds, but grows and grows. So it is a life of faith. Just two things that I want to share with you this morning about moving from a small life to a big life. The first one is you must live for something bigger than yourself. If you're going to live a big life, it cannot be a self-centered life. If your life is going to be about you, 
And I'll be the first one to say that much of my life is about me. Right? I'm not trying to say that all of a sudden we're going to pretend like we're not selfish or we don't have selfish desires or we don't have, you know, motives that we need the Lord to deal with. I constantly pray saying, God, help me. Like, like David does. He says, search my heart, O Lord. See if there be in any evil way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So I'm not trying to say here this morning that you're going to have perfect motives. We all struggle with selfishness. But the journey that Jesus has us on is transitioning us from the place where our lives, where we are the center of our lives, we are the center of our work, we are the center of our sacrifice, we are the center of our efforts, we are the center of, of, of our salvation even, trying to save ourselves. We transition from that to where we begin to focus on what God has called us to and we begin to make a difference in the lives of others. It's counterintuitive because it seems to us that living for yourself is the easiest or the quickest way to be happy. If I can be comfortable, if I can have enough money, if I can you know, do enough nice things for myself, then I'll be happy. But when you discover the call of God, you find out that actually living beyond yourself and towards others is the most fulfilling way to live. There is nothing more deeply satisfying than living for others, living for God, and not living for yourself. Why? Why is that true? Because it's what we were created for. It's what God created us for. That's what He's called us to. We've always said that Anchor Church is not about Anchor Church. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about making a difference. And that's what we want to live for. A calling to live for a big life. A group of people passionately pursuing the reason for which Christ pursued us. Look at this, John 10, 10, Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. So when Jesus comes, he gives us abundant life. But if we connect that to Ephesians 2, 10, he says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, I've come that you may have life to the full, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. Do you see how those two things are connected? You are not going to experience the abundant, big life that Jesus has for you unless you are willing to answer the call faithfully, day after day after day, to be a part of those good works that God prepared for you beforehand. Whatever that looks like. We all think that getting money is going to make us happy. Turns out, as Jesus said, giving it is what makes us happy. We all think that, that making ourselves comfortable is going to make, give us happiness. Turns out being uncomfortable so that others can be comforted is what makes us happy. This is counterintuitive, the kingdom of God. But it's how God wants us to live. You see, a big life is living in Christ, in the call that he has for you, according to the ways he's called you to. Listen to Ephesians 4, 17. He says, I say, This I say, therefore, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God, that big life, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their hearts, it's calloused hearts. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality. What's gonna make me happy? to the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. 
but you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard, uh, heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that is in reference to your former manner of life, you laid aside that old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, that you may be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness in truth. See, it's a new life. That is the most fulfilling life that we can have is when we find life in Christ. And in Christ, we get to say yes to that life because of His grace. So living a big life means living for something bigger than yourself. But it also means living from something bigger than yourself. Because many of us can say, yes, I wanna live a big life and I know how it is if you know, somebody stops you in the parking lot and says, what did the pastor speak on today? Many of you go, uh, I think it involved Jesus, um, something about life, I don't know. You see, we hear messages all the time. They go in and they go out so often. The difference to allowing a message to just be something you've heard to something that you live is called the grace of God. It's when you say, I'm committed to allowing God to transform me praying and asking God, God, that's the kind of life I want to lead. I don't have the ability, but can you help me? So you live from a place of faith. You live from that trust in Jesus, from that foundation in Christ. And in Christ, we're awakened. Ephesians 5.14 says, therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. That's what we had to say to the staff this morning when they woke up at 4.30 a.m. And Christ will shine on you. Be awakened to the life that God has for you. And as we're moved by God's Spirit, we're able to do things as we enter into His grace. It's this, it's this flow where you are not even understanding how you're able to accomplish those things, but God is working in you and through you. It's the flow of grace. And you'll be able to accomplish Small things every day that will lead to a big life. It's not confidence in self. It's confidence in Christ. Our victory is in Him. And His grace makes us very bold. His grace causes us to take those big steps. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the world. 2 Corinthians 3, uh, verse 4 to 5, and then verse 12 says this. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient. So you could say, I want to live a big life, but you know, to put it plainly, I suck. I've tried. I can't. Your big life doesn't come from your sufficiency. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Let's go ahead and do this, can we? No, absolutely not. We have no ability to do, to do what we're attempting to do right now. We do not have the means. We do not have the talent. We do not have the money. We do not have the intelligence. We have nothing we need. But let's go ahead and do it anyways. Because our confidence is not in us. Our confidence is in God that can do something bigger than us. And so we are very bold. There's something that happens when you know your sufficiency in Christ. You stop worrying about your limitations. You stop you know, fidgeting with your identity, trying to figure out if it's in your means to do it. And you develop something called stupid courage. 
just, we just got courage. We're just going to do it. We're just going to be bold and courageous. What a way to live. How many of us want to get to the end of our lives and go, yeah, we played it safe and we just, we just scraped through. Thanks, guys. It was a great life. We say no, but we settle for that every day in the small moments. No, let's live with stupid courage. What would happen if we just trusted God ridiculously, just st stupidly? said, let's go ahead and do this, God. Let's just go ahead and do this. I want to end this morning on 1 Samuel 14, verse 6, which is such a cool spot. Before I read it, let me give you some context. There is uh, King Saul, Jonathan's dad. Jonathan was best friends with David, who was, uh, obviously became king after Saul. And they're in, in, locked and engaged in a battle, in a war with the Philistines living in that area. And they're coming under attack and they're taking big losses. In fact, it tells us that Saul only had about 600 men left, which in battle terms means you got like you and your buddy, right? 600 men left. He's sitting in what the Bible describes as a pomegranate cave, but it's more like a, it's more like a tree or a place at the gates of the city where the elders would sit and reason and make decisions. And it tells us that Saul has one of the prophets with him. And so what's happening is that they're deliberating. They're strategizing. How are we gonna, we, we've taken such losses. How are we going to overcome? How many of you have felt that you've taken some losses this year? Like, how are we gonna win this battle? And they're like, bring the prophet. The prophet must prophesy. He must tell us when we should go fight and when we shouldn't. We must wait for the perfect moment and the perfect this and the perfect that. And the prophet's like, I don't know, guys, I have nothing. I'm not here, I don't know what we're gonna do. The mighty King Saul sitting there debating what their next move will be. At the same time, it tells us he had no clue where his son, Jonathan, was. Oftentimes I feel that way with my own kids. <laughs> it's just, where are they? I don't know. But Jonathan's got a wall. Jonathan has literally got one guy with him, his armor bearer. And they're lying up against a rock a rocky crag that separates where the people of Israel were from the Philistine armies. And it's him and his armor bearer. And they're peeking over the, this rocky crag and they're going, should we do it? Should we just take him? Just the two of us. Should we do it? Most sources tell us that at this point, Jonathan was about 16 years old. Him and his buddy, let's just go take these armies out. This is what happens. 1 Samuel 14, 6 says, Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. He understood that he had a relationship with God. He understood that they were God's covenant people. It may be. He's not even sure. If I was telling somebody, it was me and another guy, and I'm saying, let's go fight against an army, I wouldn't use the word may, Right? When I'm casting vision for anchor, most of the time I'm like, it, it may work. You know, I, I wouldn't say that. I would be like, no, it's definitely, we, we trust it's going to work. He's like, hey, it may be. It may be. That the Lord will work for us. For nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. That's just stupid courage. Just amazing faith. Jonathan's literally saying to his 16-year-old buddy, hey, you know what? 
I heard about my friend David. He took out a giant. He over, I also want some of the action, right? Me and you, that's double what David had, right? <laughs> Let's go over here. Maybe God, the same God that gave David the victory, that gave all the, the men and women of old the victory. Why would that same God not give us the victory? We can say that for us in this room today. Why would God not give us the victory? And I love the response of his armor bearer. He says, do all that is in your heart, Jonathan. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. Thank God for friends like that. Do what's in your heart. I'm with you, heart and soul. Committed to a big life together. Claire, you can come up and play for us as we pray today. Committed to a big life together. It's the kind of church we want to be. We are not perfect by any means. We try hard to be authentic. We try hard to pursue faithfully God's call in our lives in the big days and in the small days. We're not a perfect church. But we're a church that's never going to give up on trusting in God. And you're a part of that story. We're not separate. We're not separate. We're doing it together and we're doing it heart and soul. All in. It may be that the Lord will fight for us. It may be that we can live a big life. On this Sunday, this is actually a, a special Sunday for me for another more personal reason. But it was this exact Sunday last year that I got up on a Sunday morning. I preached from the book of Revelation a message about heaven. I went from here to Four Ways Life Hospital. And a few hours later, we said goodbye to my dad. My dad had had a heart attack. He was fighting for his life for a few days. And we stood around his bed saying goodbye to him as we literally watched him leave this earth and transition into the heaven that I just preached on. We got a lot of messages of condolences and sympathy from people and all of which we're very grateful for. But I got one message that I think context-wise for everybody else wouldn't make any sense. It just... It seems like a dumb message to send when somebody has just lost their dad. But one of the pastors in our city, Jock Adamo, great guy, leads at God First. Um, he sent me a message. And the message said, he obviously said he was, you know, sorry for our loss. But then he said this. He said, now you, run faster, jump higher. I would never send that to anybody that just lost a parent. But it resonated with me in an incredible way. You know, you know what it's saying? You've got one life. You can see how short it is. You've just tasted it. And in that instant, when I read it, I thought, yes, I must run faster and jump higher. Not as a measure of self-effort, 
but by the grace of God, pursuing the reason for which Christ pursued me. Because one day it will be me in that bed. And my turn to run will be over, like my dad's turn to run was over. And I want to get to that point knowing that I've lived a big life. What do you want for your life? What do you want? What do you want on that day? You want to say, oh, you held back, you played it safe, you were comfortable. Or do you want to have stupid courage to go over and see God's faithfulness work on your behalf? Each of us only have one life. So let's not hold back, Anchor Church. We felt a bit like Nehemiah. We built this church in three days. <laughs> Nehemiah took six, although it was a whole city. Um, but we will work like we did these last three days for the rest of our lives. We will go to the ends of the earth. We will run faster. We will jump higher. And we will never give up because we know what we're living for and we know where we're living from. Let's do it together, heart and soul. Let's make a difference. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me this morning as we pray together?